So thank you, Father, for today, and uh, we are here in your presence, Lord, and we want to continue to learn and grow in our lives, Lord, as we study your word together. And uh, Lord, my prayer is the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, recently I read an article about the world's oldest uh, billionaire. That's not, that's not him. He will come. Yeah, there it is. He's the guy. He's the guy. His name is C.I. Chung. And, uh, and he is, you know how old he is? 101 years old. 101 year old. He is the founder of Pacific International Lines, a shipping company. Uh, until last year, he was the executive chairman of the company. And then he has now modified his title and his role. But he is still involved in the daily operations and key decisions of the company, checking in with every department head every day. He says that work is not really an optional activity. He said, I cannot stay home. I get very, very bored. That's what he says. I get this 101-year-old guy saying that. Now, most people can't understand that kind of thinking, isn't it? You know, most people would say, if I had a billion dollars, I think each day I could find something interesting to do that didn't involve going to work every day, especially in this rain, isn't it? You would rather stay home. In fact, many people honestly don't like the idea of going to work every day. I have never seen in all my life anybody has come to me and said, oh, I'm just so excited going to work every day. No, mostly people say, oh, Monday is coming, got to go to work again, you know. Now, let me say this. I don't think this attitude is indicative of laziness, okay? But I think it is indicative of lack of a clear-cut, well-defined sense of purpose in life. Now, when you have a purpose, you will pursue it every day of your life, whether it pays a little or whether it pays a lot, whether it pays nothing at all, because it is a passion and that you pursue it. When you have a purpose, you will pursue it every day uh, of your life. Now, your purpose in life includes your job, uh, it may not be for too long. Maybe God is, you know, putting you there to, you know, to get some experience and, you know, how to get to uh, know each other, how to, you know, get along with people and all that. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe just a short time. But this includes your job. It also includes many other things, such as your family, your volunteer work, you know, your spiritual life. All those things are part of this purpose. Now, we are in a new series called Focus Living. We started last week. This is about fixing our focus on that which matters most in your life. What is the most important thing in your life? And so we've been, you know, looking at various aspects. Like last week we looked at one master, and uh, today we're going to talk about one purpose. Now today we'll talk about living your life with one primary purpose, one objective that supersedes all else in your life. And that's what we're going to look at. Your life purpose is something you discover through the process of your journey, okay? Uh, it is not one size fits all. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's custom made for you. You know, what God has given me a purpose may not be the same as you have. So it's a custom made for you. And it ties into your career, uh, into your family life, your church life, and every other area in your life. So today I want us to look at some guidelines that will help you discover and refine your life purpose as we look 
2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. So don't think that you are too old to, uh, you know, understand this. I mean, that guy is 101 year old. He still has got a passion and purpose in his life. So I think it is, these messages are relevant for everybody, okay, this morning, including me. Now, the church, this is what we're going to look at. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, we're going to look at this morning. Now, the church in Thessalonica was a church that set an example for churches everywhere. In fact, Apostle Paul said to them, if you look at verse 4, this is what he said, Among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. And then toward the end of the chapter, Paul writes, this is what he says. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you a worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Then if you look at verse 12, he says, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and in, in, in him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a you know, beautiful passage of scripture that Paul is writing to this church. And uh, when I look through that, when I found there are three important things about finding your life purpose that we can find in this passage. So let's go through these three important things. Write it down. Uh, if you've got an outline there, you can fill the gap there. Number one is that God called you to a specific purpose in your life. God called you to a specific purpose in your life. No matter who you are, God has called you in a specific direction towards a specific purpose. Now, some people think only pastors and missionaries get the calling from God. That's not true. Every person, every one of you here, that God has called you a purpose. God has given you a purpose in your life. Now, we have a calling from God, and Paul is challenging us to live up to it, to be worthy of it. Look at what he said in verse 11. We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his what? Worthy of? His calling. He is talking about living up to your calling. He said the same thing in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Look at what he said. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the? What? Calling you have received. Worthy of the calling you have received. I believe that God, God's calling for our lives is always just a little bit bigger and better, and a little bit tougher than the one we would choose for ourselves. Don't you think so? Some people pick their lives pursued based on what the, what the path of least resistance, isn't it? What can I do without putting so much effort and energy into that? You know, when we look at a job and things like that, we say, what's the easiest one that we can do? God's calling challenges us to stretch ourselves. Stretch us. That's why Paul said, walk worthy of your calling. Hold yourself to a higher standard in your life. Look at this verse from Colossians. Let's read this verse together, please. Colossians, is it on there? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Let's read it together. Whatever you do, work at with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now, underline that phrase, working for the Lord. Working for the Lord. That is the key to a purposeful living. Whatever you do, 
that includes your job, your volunteer work in the church, your daily chores that you have to do in your home, <clears throat> all those things, whatever you do, if you do everything unto the Lord, if you are doing everything as thinking that God is the master, he is the one watching over you, if you do it for the audience of one, then you will do everything with all your heart. Isn't it? If you know that whatever you are doing, it, you are doing it unto the Lord, then you will do it with all your heart. If you think that you are doing it to please somebody else, if you think that you are doing it to get a credit for yourself, then you will not do it with all your heart. You will not do it with all your heart. That's how you work worthy of your calling. That's what Paul is saying. Work worthy of your calling because you are working for the Lord. You are not working for somebody else. You are working for the Lord. Now, the second part of the process of living out your purpose is to recognize that your purpose is prompted by your faith. Your purpose is prompted by your faith. Now, Paul said that he prays for the believers in Thessalonica, and this is what he says in one, he says that by God's power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Now, if you look at that New Living Translation, a modern translation, it says, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Now, here is a major part of finding your life purpose. As you look at the world around you, okay, which we see every day, as we look at the world around you, which opportunities or which possibility that captures your attention and ignites your imagination? What's the thing as you, as you walk around, as you look around the world? What is the thing that captures your attention? What is the thing that ignites the passion in your life? Chances are this is a central part of the calling that God has placed on your life. Now, let me share with you my own experience because, you know, I can't share somebody else's experience, so let me share my own experience. When I was 22 years of age, I spent a year on board the ship Logos. You know, 22 years at that time, you know, didn't have really understanding where I'm heading. I have no idea. And I, I found this opportunity, so I thought I'll join, the, join on the ship and I, you know, travel around the world. It'll be lots of fun, you know, being a bit of a tourist, you know. That was not true. But when you got in the ship, you realize I'm still, you know, suffering. Uh, my back ache because of that, because you had to lift lots of books and lots of hard work. But anyway, the thing is, uh, we were sailing around the world preaching the gospel. It was a wonderful thing. We went around, you know, some 40 countries around the world. You know, 22-year-old, you don't get that opportunity to do that. But, you know, I, I had that opportunity. Uh, but what really captured my attention was this. Not that I was able to see the world and you know, to meet with the different people, what captured my attention was uh, sailing on this ship, I found people from 35 different countries were actually living on that ship. And we were working together, walking together, serving God together. Now, I had a couple of um, cabin mates. Uh, one was a guy from Denmark, another one from um, Scotland. I could understand the Danish guy, but I could never understand the Scottish guy because he, said, he was speaking English, but I couldn't understand a word what he was saying. But anyway, you know, they were the guys we were on the ship together. And so, so that's what captured my attention. So I began to think about a church where this can become a reality. 
So that's what prompted me to step out to pursue this vision of building a multi-ethnic church. A house of prayer for all nations. So 48 years ago, my friends, I was prompted by faith to do it to become a purpose in my life. And I, I, I lose sleep over this. I was thinking about it all the time. And I came to Australia and I said, you know, I really want to be part of a church. I could not find a church anywhere in Australia with that one. The first church I went, nobody said hello to me. I just felt so sad. And I, I came back and I sat in my room and I cried because nobody said hello to me because I was the only different person in that church. And I started praying, God, you know, create a church like that where people of all nations can come together, worship together. You know, I didn't know that I was praying God to create something. You know what God was saying? God was saying, I want you to be part of the church. I want you to do something about it. So I remember my pastor coming to me one day. I said, look, I think you should, you know, apply to become a pastor. And I said, no way. I will never want to be a pastor in my life. I don't want to be a pastor. You know, I want to be an evangelist. That's what I've been preaching everywhere in India, all around the world, you know, I've been preaching. That's my heart for evangelism, you know. He said, no, no, I think, I see that you have a heart to preach God's word. So I applied and I got into, you know, 1982, I remember going to the college so many years ago, studied God's word. But let me say this. This journey was never an easy thing because I knew when God calls you to do something, it's never going to be an easy Never going to be an easy. I had to put up with so many negativity and criticism and persecution from, from people, from so-called Christians. And that's still not stopped yet. And they're still continuing on. After all these years I've been doing, 48 years, still, you know, this is, this is still the truth. People just, you know, don't like your personality or don't like, you know, whatever you're doing. But if your purpose is prompted by faith, this is what I'm saying, if your purpose is prompted by faith, God will take care of the rest that I learned. God will take care of that. So a key question to ask, what good things is my faith prompting me to do? That will certainly determine how you spend your time, where you spend your money, and what priorities you will choose in your life. But it has to be prompted by faith. You know, people get all kinds of ideas. I want to change the world. I want to be, you know, do this, do that, do program, this and all that. All this fantastic idea. But they don't last. Because it's not prompted by God. It is not prompted by faith. It's not a purpose. It is your purpose. It's your idea. You want to be something. So you try to do that to impress other people. But God's purpose, when God gives to you, there's no opportunity to impress other people because you are working your guts out. And you are dealing with criticism and you're dealing with all kinds of things. You are busy serving the Lord. You are busy sharing God's word with people. Don't know. That's, that's what you focus. So it doesn't matter, all other stuff. So here's a, it's a third element of living out your life's purpose. God's purpose is fulfilled only through God's power. God's purpose is fulfilled only through God's purpose. In today's text, Paul uses a phrase that we cannot afford to overlook. What is this phrase he says? In verse 11, he says, that by his power he may fulfill. Now, when God called Moses, you know the story of Moses. When God called Moses, 
um, you know, to lead the people of uh, people out of Egypt, God's people out of Egypt, uh, you know, and uh, uh, into the promised land, he appeared to him in the burning bush, you know. And then, but Moses, because of all the mistakes that he had made in the past, he already decided in his heart, he's not able to do this. He said, I don't think I can do that. No, I'm not the right person. I think you got the wrong person, God. Could I got somebody else better than me? And so he tried to give all kinds of excuses to God. And then God said to him, in effect, he said, Moses, you can and you will. You know why? Because my power will work through you. I'm not really thinking whether you are a qualified person, you are a smart person. I'm actually simply going to take you and use you and put my power in you, and that's how I'm going to use you. And in the rest of the story, if you read, you will see how God came through for Moses in a mighty way. Because God's power was with him. And Moses had to come to recognize also, it is only through God's power that he could accomplish what he has done. Moses became a great leader, great leader, but he could not have done what he did without the power of God. When you consider your calling, you don't ask yourself, what am I smart enough to do? What am I talented enough to do? Instead, you should ask yourself, what is God big enough to do through me? What is God big enough to do through me? That's a question you should ask. Not how smart you are. You know, how charming you are. Whatever good idea you pursue, you need to hold on to one fundamental truth. You can only succeed in fulfilling your calling by the power of God. Write that down somewhere. You can only succeed in fulfilling your calling by the power of God. This is what Paul said. Look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 3. Fantastic verse here. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to what? Hello? According to? His power that is at work within us. Never forget that, my friend. His power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. That means try to do something without God's power, you will not last long. You will not last long. I can guarantee that. But if you will live and move and work with God's power, the seas will part before you. That's what Moses experienced. The water will come out of rock <laughs> because you are relying not on your power, not on your smartness. You are relying on you know, God's power. God's purpose for your life can only be fulfilled through his power, my friend. And that means he wants to surrender to him every day, saying, God, give me the strength to do all that you want me to do today. Every morning, every morning, that's my prayer when I get up, God, please give me the strength. Every phone call before I answer, I say, God, please give me the strength to deal with this phone call. On the other side, I don't know, maybe somebody telling me that he's got cancer or somebody saying that, you know, he's 
something happened to the family and I need, maybe somebody will ring me up and, you know, um, criticize. I need, I need God's grace and strength every day. You see, many people are driven by the desire to create an easier life. That's what everybody's purpose in life. How can I create an easier life for me? But we should be driven by the desire to create a meaningful life. Meaningful life for us and for others. You know, some people come and ask me, they say, oh, pastor, when are you going to retire? That's the question that unfortunately I had to face all the time because people think because I'm turned 70, I should pack my bag and, uh, you know, go to a beachside and sip co cocktail, you know. That's what they think, you know. And I say, you know, God did not call me to ministry for, you know, a certain time. That, that's my life calling. Hello? Would you like me to start a, a coffee shop somewhere? A grocery store or what? Sell chicken somewhere on the street? What do you like me to do? That is my calling, my friends. I'm passionate about it. I want to do as long as I have breath. You know, that's my passionate about. I never I made a deal with God and said, God, when I turn 70, I'll do something different. I'll have an easier life. No. My life is getting harder and harder because I'm, you know, still dealing with all the issues. All I'm saying is, my friends, once you find your passion and purpose, you know, you will keep doing what God has called you. God has a purpose for you. And if you're ready to reach, He's ready to help you fulfill all the good things your faith prompts you to do. God's purpose for your life begins today right where you are. When you are faithful and committed to serving the Lord in the little things of life, God will open more opportunities and big things in your life. You know, evangelism, you know, people... Some people say, oh, you know, we've got to do more evangelism in the church. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We, we want a program, you know. And I always say, God has called you to be an evangelist. I love what Billy Graham said. He said, evangelism is one beggar telling the other beggar where to find bread. Do you like that one? One beggar telling the other beggar where to find bread. It's not one beggar telling the other beggar, where is the big crusade happening next? You know, where's the big church services next? What is the, you know, stuff doing in the, in, you know, in the community? He's asking, and that, that I, you know, when I first learned that many, many years ago, you know, when, when I was actually very young when I heard that one, and I said, man, that is, that is powerful. That is powerful. I'm actually a beggar, and I need to tell other people, where to find bread. That's what I need to. Not where to find the church, where to find some program. And that all of us can do here. You found bread. What are you doing with it? Are you telling other beggars? Are you telling other sinners? You found salvation in your life. Are you speaking to your people in your home? Are you speaking to people in your neighborhood? You are an evangelist, my friend. You don't need a program to be an evangelist. If every person in this church recognized that I'm an evangelist, then we don't need any program here to do it. That's how I led all the people in my life to Christ. I never taken them to a crusade or campaign or anything like that. Simply in our, in our 
In our dining table, we led so many people to the Lord. In the coffee shop where I took them and talked to them. In our neighbors, when people are going through a tough time. That is what an evangelist is. My prayer is that God will give you that purpose in your life. That is your life purpose. To speak to other people about God and bring other people to God's kingdom. And that's what God will say. When you stand in heaven, God is not saying, how many programs did you do in the church? No, God is going to say, how many people have you shared the gospel with? And God will challenge your heart. And God will help you understand. When you're faithful and committed to serve the Lord in the little things in life, God will even open more opportunities. He will do more than you ask or imagine according to His purpose. Remember, it is not about you. It is all about God. God's purpose we can call to follow. Let us pray.